0: Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning. We're really excited about the opportunity. we actually scheduled to speak on the 2nd, Sunday the 2nd, I think it was, yeah. So uh, our plans changed in uh, Australia. We kept the last weekend, which is the 2nd, um, kind of free. Of course, we'll be with you guys, would have been with you guys, but at the same time, just just some space just to rest before we go home, and it got shifted up. I'm sorry, we were going to be the 20s, 20, the, 20, the weekend before. And so we had to shift it up, and uh, Peter said, okay, we'll take you on the second. And then, of course, he had to go to India. And so I said, well, we're available this weekend if you'd like to have us. So we're here. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. So, your theme is flourish. I love that theme. It's wonderful. Who would love to flourish for the Lord here this morning? It's a, it's a, it's a real wonderful thing to uh, extend our faith towards. Um, but this morning, I'd like to address that. Uh, but I'd like to also address uh, the elephant in the room, as it were. Um, and don't get, don't get all, oh, we're going to have a negative message, but, uh, Um, I've pastored for many, many years, pastored one church for about 15 years up in North America and, uh, all over the, all over the world, in fact. And one of the prevailing problems in the church has been the struggle to reconcile the promises of God, you know, and, uh, if you like the expectations of the Lord with reality in our lives. Do you know what I mean? We come to church and we get a wonderful message, but when we get out into the week, it it kind of unravels a little bit. It shouldn't, but it kind of unravels a little bit. And I, instead of focusing in on what God was speaking about on the Sunday, uh, I'm focusing in on my problems. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And then I come back to church again, and I feel kind of a little guilty because I didn't really excel in that area or flourish in that area. And, and, and I don't really talk to anybody about it um, because I, I feel a little embarrassed. I should be like everybody else. You know, I should be victorious and and overcoming and and full of joy every moment of the day. And so that is, if you like, the elephant in the room, as it were. And uh, And so I'd like to address that. And what I want to do this morning is unwrap a little bit. I want to get down to the basics. What is it that we're dealing with? And why is it we're dealing with that? And what's the solution? And then wrap it all together again, if that makes any sense. Um, So what I'd like to say, first of all, is this. There's two issues that we're dealing with. Number one, we're dealing with the purposes or the plans and the purposes of God on the one hand. And on the other hand, we're dealing with the schemes and the plots of the enemy. If you wrap it all down, that's the basic two elements, or conflicting principles, if you like, or elements that we're dealing with. Is God has his purpose and his plan, number one, and the devil is trying to undermine God's purpose and plan. I don't think the devil has anything personal He'll use something personal to get at the plan and the purpose of God. It's not like he doesn't like you or anything like that. He absolutely hates God. Amen. And so he uses these schemes and plots to try and thwart the plans and the purposes of God. And we find ourselves many times smack bang in the middle of those two. I call it no man's land you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be in the middle. It's kind of like the First World War. You had the German trenches and the Allied trenches, and every so often they commanded the soldiers to go over the the top, as it were, and they all got massacred. You don't want to go up there because there's landmines and bullets and there's problems and issues. You don't want to find yourself in the middle of those two forces. Sometimes... Sometimes we drift a little bit towards the schemes and the plots of the enemy, and other times we kind of drift a lot more to the plans and the purposes of God. And the reason why we're in the middle is because we've got our own plans and purposes. And they don't always match up with God's plans and purposes. Amen? They don't always match up with the schemes on the plots of the enemy either. And so that is where we want to start. We're in the crossfire between those two. And so, yeah, we are trying to be who we're supposed to be. We're trying to live out this incredible inheritance that we have, and we find ourselves in a battle 24-7. Now, we have some wonderful scriptures, Counted all joy when you find yourself in many troubles, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete in Him. And so we can always resort to that, of course. You know, whatever problem comes our way, we can get stronger. Right, But who knows that sometimes problems are so overwhelming. I'm not suggesting for one moment this morning that you're not going to have any problems. But we need to find out what's really going on. The second layer that I want to sort of wrap this thing with um, as we begin to re-wrap it is the fact that you and I have three adversaries, three enemies, not just one. We have three. Would you like to know who those three are? All right. Number one, the devil. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's our arch enemy. All right. We don't want to concentrate on him too much here because we, you had to worship the Lord, not him. Amen? But he is our enemy. Um, as a South African, that doesn't make sense. You do not catch prey by walking around roaring. A lion, when a lion catches prey, they stealth. They're silent. Amen? They're, uh, they're, nobody can, none of those animals can see a lion. They're hiding. You're not exposing yourself and roaring. So, you know, the devil is stupid. Come on, everybody. I mean, you know when he walks in the room. You know when he's trying to cause a drama. He should be stealth, but he can't help himself, right? So the enemy is our... I'm sorry, the devil is our arch enemy. There's two things the devil is trying to accomplish in regards to the schemes and the plots of the enemy. Number one, he's wanting to sow fear. A lion roaring. I've lived in Africa most of my young adult life, and we were out in the bush many times. Amanda and I traveled throughout southern Africa, and uh, we've had some lion experiences. It's frightening. You do not want to find yourself in the bush looking or staring down a lion. There's just no way. You're done. I mean, unless you can run real fast, you are toast at that moment. A lion is an opportunist. Even if he's not hungry or she's not hungry, if they see you, they'll kill you. It's as simple as that. My South African friend knows. Amen? And so he's trying to create fear as part of the strategy to keep you and I in the no man's land. He doesn't want you to be living in the perfect plan and purposes of God. He doesn't even mind if you don't come over over to the dark side, as it were, completely. If he can just keep you there where the bullets are flying and you're under pressure, and you know it's like, what the heck is happening in my life? Kind of approach. Amen? The other thing, he's trying to deceive. He's like a lion. It's not a lion. Amen? He's pretending to be a lion. So fear and deception is what this adversary or enemy is bringing to the table. What is the antidote to that? What is the opposite of fear? Faith. We have to walk in faith to counteract the enemy. If we want to flourish, we need to be people of faith. Come on, say that with me. People of faith of faith. Amen? And of course, deception, what's the opposite of deception? Truth. We need to walk in truth. Stop telling little white lies. Stop being dishonest. Stop faking it. Be real. Walk in truth. Not just the truth of the word in truth and righteousness, but walk in truth in your own conviction so that you cannot allow the enemy to destroy or to bring you over, as it were. Amen? The second enemy, the second adversary, and I want you to put your seatbelts on, fasten your seatbelts right now. And if you don't have seatbelts, just take a hold of your chair. And hold tight right now. The second adversary, the second enemy who might even be greater than the first one is you and me. Come on. We have veto rights. In fact, the enemy cannot do anything with us or through us unless we give him position. We, his boss. Amen. It's a funny thing. You and I can sell ourselves just about anything. I'm sort of a little skittish when it comes to car salesmen, and for, forgive me for the if there's car salesmen here. But in America, they're like vultures. We go into a car lot, you know, where they're selling cars, and Amanda and I just sneaking through there. There's like hundreds of cars. We just want to have a look at a few, and suddenly there's five or six guys suddenly popping up. Hello, you know, are you interested? And they're about to pound. And so I don't trust them. I don't trust salesmen. I lived in the Middle East, and they want to barter and bargain and haggle all the time. And I, I never know if I got a good deal. Most of the cases, I think, I got a sweet deal here. And I get back to the hotel, get back to where we're living. And they say, no, you can get those for a fraction of the price just down the road here. Oh, man been ripped off, amen, and you and I can sell each other ice in Alaska, or the Arctic, it's amazing, and we just do it over and over and over and over again, and we're so gullible, Gary, it's okay, you can watch that movie, do you really think so, Gary, I think so, you can watch that movie, there's nothing wrong with it, just blink every now and again, oh, okay. And we'll convince ourselves, to be honest with you, about sin and disobedience a hundred times a day. Amen? What do we, in a way, bring to this horrible table? Pride, pride, and disobedience. Amen? We walk in pride And we walk in disobedience. If we walk in fear, deception, pride, and disobedience, we're in the no man's land. We do not want to be there. We want to be fulfilling God's plans and purpose so that we can flourish in the kingdom of God. Say amen if you agree with me. Amen. Amen. So what is the antidote to pride and disobedience? Anybody want to? Amen. What? Humility. Did you say humility? Amen. Humility and obedience. Walk in obedience and humility, and I walk in faith and truth. And when I do that, I am leaning towards the plans and the purposes of God in my life. Amen. The third one is life itself. Life and its stuff. Amen. Hard. Life sometimes is hard. And uh, what life is trying to do, you know that scripture in Romans, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall famine, and it lists just about everything that can go wrong in life. And it leaves out nothing. It talks about demons and spirits and, you know, people and everything that's, that becomes the stuff of life that wears you down and, and you get so preoccupied with that. Amen. And uh and so um life life sort of it stares you in the face, 24 7. You know, you wake up in the morning, oh what a wonderful morning, and guess what? Your debt is staring at you. the good morning, wakey wakey, or whatever your trouble is, or whatever whatever your circumstance is. You're dealing with that 24-7. It's such a distraction. Amen? What does that bring? Despair and the sense of being overwhelmed. Amen? That's why we come to church. We want to dispel the sense of being overwhelmed by so many issues. So many things are happening. Who knows that troubles are not sort of spaced out. It's not like there's one on a Monday and then one on a Wednesday around noon and then another one on Friday just before the weekend Then you trouble-free on the weekend. No, no. When troubles come, they all come at once. Amen? We're overwhelmed. And so life is not working for us many times. And what I need to do in terms of life, I need to have instead of despair... I need to have hope. Amen? Instead of being overwhelmed, I need to walk in the victory of the Lord. That He gave me through His Son. Through His resurrection, I am an overcomer. I am more than an overcomer in all these things. Amen? Say amen again if you believe that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, um, I'd like to read a, a few scriptures, kind of like the um, uh, sort of a, uh, what do you call it, cliff note version out of Genesis quickly. And we can go back and see wh- wh- what the problem is in our lives. Okay? Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air over the cattle of all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. Genesis 2 says, 7 says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed, this is how he created man, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Uh, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis three 6, I'm almost done Yeah, It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Genesis three seventeen. Cursed is the ground for your sake, in the toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So so we're gonna go back very briefly, and just see what went really went wrong. I mean, we know that Adam disobeyed God. We know that Adam sinned, right? And that just opened the floodgates. Okay, but what really went down there? What? Why? What uh, preceded his act of disobedience? What was it that went wrong? Um, I'd like to also quickly, as we've layered, we've put the the. Adversaries, we've layered that. And now the, the third layer is you and I have the genetics of Adam. Um, God created Adam for abundance. God created Adam to live, you know, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Designed him. In fact, he designed us for that. So genetically, we're incompatible with trouble. I've never found anybody... Um, As I've traveled, and I'm, you know, 38 years old. No, I'm sorry. I forget these things. I apologize. I'm 62 in October. And uh, I've traveled around, and uh, I've never met anybody who says, Trouble? Oh, wow, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Trouble. Awesome. I can't live without trouble. Some people cope better with it than others. Some people kind of get some energy out of it. But at the end of the day, we're all looking for that peaceful place, right? That happy place. And the reason is that genetically we wired that way. But the problem is this world will never give you what you as Adam expect. But I want to also say that there was a second Adam Paul talks about the second Adam, Jesus, who came to rewrite our DNA. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that Jesus has given us all things that pertaineth to life and godliness. We have inherited more than Adam. We've been born again. Adam was created from the dust of the earth and God breathed into him and he came alive. We are born of God. I mean, we're not just a lookalike. We are born family of God. We're the sons and the daughters of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? Amen. So things have changed and they should change. Look at some of the sins. By the way, we're going to go back to Adam in a moment. But let's look at some of the sins that arose from this story of Adam. Um, oh, I got the wrong page here. Excuse me. Give me a second. Pride. Envy, just try and remember these, gluttony, greed, slothfulness, anger, lust, murder, and theft. Maybe we'll come back to those in a moment. Adam wasn't born for loss, or wasn't created for loss, less, lack, trouble, struggle, need wasn't called for that. Yes, where the problem arose. Adam shifted his attention not on what he had. There were three parts of his life, what he had, what he didn't have, and who and why he was. Adam shifted his focus on who and why he was to what he did not have. Now I want to suggest that that's our problem. We approach everything in life from that perspective. What is it we do not have? We filter and process everything through profit and loss. Even relationships. I have passed passed many years and I've counseled marriage, uh, people that are going through problems in their marriages, premarital uh, probably hundreds and hundreds of cu- couples over these last you know, 38, uh, 39 years. And, uh, and it's always a bargaining process. So when I counsel them, say, well, what is it you feel you're not getting? Well, I feel I'm not getting enough attention or I'm not getting enough love. And the other one would have the same issue. Well, I'm sensing the same thing. I feel like I'm losing more than what I'm gaining. We come to church that way. We come to church because we feel like we got less than more. And I'm just generalizing. You're you're different here at this church, but I'm just generalizing. You know, we come fill my cup, Lord. You know what I mean? I'm still I'm still lacking something. I still need some more. And so we filter everything. We have the same approach and we've got to stop that. We've got to stop looking at what we don't have and begin to look at who we are and why we are. God created Adam for a purpose. He didn't just one day decide, you know, it'd be nice if we have like this ball in the sky and we create some of these strange beings with legs and, and eyes and they can talk to each other. Be kind of fun. No. God had a plan, and we read it right in the beginning. Create man in our image. To be like us. To do this. To, you know, multiply. To to replenish the earth or to subdue the earth. God had a plan. If he didn't have a plan and a purpose, you and I would not be created. And you and I have always been created created in order to fulfill God's plan and purpose. Not your plan and purpose, not my plan and purpose. I'm always trying to fit God into my plan and purpose. God, this is not fair. I'm trying to, you know, I'm pursuing this holiday and I I, I need some money. What's going on? My plan is to go and travel all over the world. And you're not helping me, Lord. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to travel all over the world. We do. But I'm just saying that we have a conflict of interest. Does that make sense? Amen. And so, as he began to focus on what he did not have, he sinned. That came before he sinned. One tree. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Think about it one tree. One little tree in the Garden of Eden. Okay. It was a fairly significant tree, but, but you know, there were a lot more trees. You know, Adam owned the world. Adam was the title holder of every bit of real estate here in New Zealand. Your house used to be owned by Adam. He had everything. He had a share as, you know, more kids came along. He had to subdivide and, and do all those sort of things. But, but at the end of the day, he had everything and yet he believed he had something or he did not have something. Stop looking at what you do not have. And start focusing on who you are and why you are. I want to get out of the firing range. I want to I want to enjoy my week. I want to feel like I am flourishing. Amen, despite what's happening. I don't wanna I don't want to, to be shifted over to the dark side, if you like. I want to be in the light. And the word encourages us continually to walk in the light. It's because sometimes we don't quite walk in the light. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I have four things that may finally tie this up. Let me go through, before I do, let me go through those sins. Pride. What I'm trying to say is most sins relate to this problem of noticing you don't have pride, envy, gluttony, greed, even slothfulness, anger, lust, murder, and theft. They all relate to this sense, incorrect sense. That you're lacking something. You look at your neighbor's house and you envy it because you should have that house. That is, that is the issue of Adam. That precedes disobedience. Amen? You are sons and daughters of God. You are born by the Spirit. Born again. You're, you're, you're part of the family of God. You're not just created out of the dust of the earth. You're part of the family of God. You, your DNA has been rewritten so that you can receive what Jesus has given. How do we receive what Jesus has given? What does Jesus say? He says, if you lose your life, you gain it. See, the answer to a marriage isn't negotiating and sorting out some sort of uh, issues that you have, the answer to a marriage or any relationship is to give everything. Yeah. If, if there's two people, you give everything, you die to self completely, and the other person dies to self completely, and what do you have in return? Everything. Everything. Not just, okay, so I'm feeling a little better about my husband now. I'm getting a little more attention. You get everything if each and every one of you, just like Jesus, gave everything. Not bargain. Not negotiate. Amen? Bargaining and negotiating, you're always going to feel like, nah, I'm not this sure. I think, uh, you know, I think I've... Got the raw end, raw end of the deal. Okay, so there's four things here. Second Timothy 1 9, it says, Who he who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Say that with me. According to his own purpose. Okay and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before times began. I think I might have shared this scripture with you in another context, but there's two glories here. There's salvation and there's calling. It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. You, You can't have salvation without the calling, and you can't have the calling without salvation. Amen? And if you and I just have salvation, it'll always be just about you and you'll never have enough. Spoiled brats. Come to church, I'm not getting enough. I'm going to the other church where I think I can get some more. Because my Adam senses are telling me I'm lacking something. Let me tell you, the moment you got born again, you lack nothing. Do you know there's a reason why the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? There's a reason why the Word of God was planted inside of you. There's a reason why Jesus lives inside of you. is because you've got everything. Don't let the enemy deceive you. I mean, what more do you want? (laughs) The The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. In Christ. Hallelujah. What are we complaining about? Why are we ducking and diving to try and prevent these these shots from harming us in no man's land when we should be in the trench with the Lord? So we can flourish. So it's what we are and why we are. We're born again, we're saved as sons of God, and we're saved according to His purposes. We're called according to His, but not our purposes. When I find the purposes of God 100 percent in my life, everything else will be sweeter and more amazing and, 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 and bigger and, over, and, and and wonderfully overwhelming. You know God, God spoils us. Let's see what the time is here? I've got a few minutes. God spoils us. I think I might have shared, I'm, I'm a grandfather of nine grandkids, do and I, nine grandkids. Noisy bunch of people. I'd sit at a table, we have a very modern home with high ceilings and concrete floors. It's a sound, I mean, you drop a little pin and you can hear it. We'd be sitting at the table with all my, grand, my, my kids and their husbands, and, you know, my wife and, and my daughters, three daughters, they can have five conversations at the same time. I don't know how they do it. And I'm already losing it because I thought they were talking about this, and now they're talking about that, and then they're talking about something else, and then they come back to the original discussion, and I'm sitting there, and the kids are running around the house screaming and playing and shooting things and throwing things, and I'm sitting there like an old man saying, What? What? But I love my grandkids. And, uh, you know, when I grew, when uh, our girls grew up, we, were, we weren't strict, but we were a little bit more organized because we were traveling, had to be in bed a certain time, couldn't eat sweets or candy, you know, before supper, even after supper, you know, because they brushed their teeth. And you know, there was some order. And not that my grandkids don't have any order. But I was, you know, we had to stay with us. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know what happened. I have to confess I lost that ability. And My, kids, my grandkids can do anything in our presence. Now, the, my, my, uh, my daughters say, Dad, don't give them any sweets when they come because they're not going to be able to eat their supper. And I say, oh, no, of course not. Goodness me, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even dream of giving them candy and sweets. No, of course. Those kids arrive, and I start shaking. And I look at the pantry, and I think I've got to get some candy out of that pantry for these kids. And so I go into the pantry all secretly, and I grab gummy bears. because That's what we have, a big bunch. And I put them in my, in my pocket just for afterwards, just for afterwards. And the kids know, my grandkids know. They see me. And they look at me, five-year-old. I know what you're doing. And I look at them and I kind of tell them, meet me down the passage, one by one. And no, I'm serious. And I kind of, you know, mosey off down the passage. And the uh, little five year old comes up and, okay, don't say anything. Don't tell your mother. Okay, Papa. And off he goes and they come one by one. I mean, I've lost it. God loves you so much, he spoils you, man. I mean, joy unspeakable and full of glory, that's a lot of joy. I don't even know what that means, you know what I mean? But he gives it to us. Unconditional love, that's a lot of love he gives us. The problem is we'll stay spoiled if we just feed on that. We need to be called. We need to focus our attention on who we are and why we are. Say amen if you agree. Second one: we really do have lots and lots and lots and lots. There was a little advert in South Africa. They had uh, jelly tots. It's like a candy. You remember that? Lots and lots and lots of jelly tots. That was a kind of a tagline. But we really do have a lot. Um, John ten ten says a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So this is what I think our problem is. We live on the edge of our abundance all the time. So let's say tomorrow one of you, or hopefully all of you, go back to work and your boss says, I'm going to raise your salary by $1,000. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? That means everybody has to bring at least $100 next Sunday to put in the offering, right? I've raised your salary. What happens? Immediately I'm thinking, ooh, I can build that new swimming pool, right? Or, or I can save it, but I'll save it for a purpose. right? It's not just access or excess. You know what I mean? It soon becomes something. And so as soon as I get more than enough, I, I, I use it up in some form or the other and get back onto the edge of not having enough. Does that make sense? And so you and I have been living in abundance for many, many years. But because we live on the edge of abundance, because we have this, uh, the genetics of Adam where I'm trying to get more because I always think I've got less or I don't have um, I'm not enjoying my abundance. So the key is start enjoying your abundance now. Say, well, I don't have enough. I, I barely can make my bills. That's because we always live there. You're, you're using your abundance to pay your bills. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? You're using your abundance. God blessed you with abundance and you're able to build that swimming pool or that hot tub or, or buy that new car or that second-hand car or, or send your kids to college or whatever the case may be. You and I are people of abundance. And you have to settle that this morning. Thirdly, implications. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new cre- creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Whose phone is it? Is that a phone? It's background music. I thought you wanted me to start dancing here. So it's time to wrap up, Gary. <laughs> so we're not just saved inside, we're saved outside. Did you know that? All things have become new. Bad is impossible. I still got troubles. No, your troubles have changed. Why have they changed? I'm still overwhelmed by them. Well, now, count it all joy. I quoted that scripture. When you find yourself in troubles, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete in him. Everything is changed for you. Amen? Um, So so God's changed everything, and we need to see it that way. We need to see it, not just going thrown back into the same old, same old. Everything has changed. Everything's working for our good. You know that scripture? All things work for the good, for those who love the Lord, and are called according to His. Ah, that's the key. We're just living in our save mode and not in our calling mode. Say, well, I'm I'm not an evangelist. No, but you're a born-again, powerful instrument of God 24-7. Start redeeming your life. That ordinary life that you're going back to this afternoon or tomorrow morning when you go back to work is actually your extraordinary life. Stop separating those two because then you're going to have, it's kind of like a filling station. So that you can make it through the week in your ordinary life. You can get back to your extraordinary life on Sunday. Oh, top it up, please. Top of Prophecy. Anything. Word of knowledge. Anything. Give me something. And you go back into your ordinary life. See it as your extraordinary life. All things have changed. They're all benefiting you if you're walking in the plan and the purposes of God. Not the no man's land. And the fourth and last one, we must walk. In absolute obedience. Amen? Obedien- uh, a disobedience started this thing. Obedience is going to end this thing. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah. Look, but Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of the rams. Amen. So obedience is better than sacrifice. Some of us have to sacrifice. Oh, I don't want to let this go, but I'll let it go. That's what sacrifice really means. It means you're giving something you don't want to give. Obedience is better because you understand the Word of God, and if God says it, then so be it. Amen? But there's kind of reluctant obedience. It's like, okay, what's the Bible say? Oh, no, do I really have to do that? Okay, I'll just have to bite my teeth and do it. So that's better, but what's best? Amen? Good, better, what's best? I call it super obedience. The moment I obey because I want to obey. Not because I'm told to. Not because some drill sergeant told me to run and do push-ups and I obey. No, because I just want to obey. This comes from me. It's just a natural thing. It's really what Adam had before he started focusing on what he did not have. Amen? Praise the Lord. Does that make sense at all? Let's go flourish. Time to flourish. Come on, everybody. Praise the Lord. Let's go and be the church. Not just come to church on Sunday to get a refill. But let's go and Be filled. Amen. Let's do the work of God. All right. I'd love to pray for you. I know it's right on 1130, so maybe another five or six minutes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Who wants to respond to this message, first of all? Who's tired of being tired? Who's tired of being frustrated? Tired of being feeling guilty because they're not as good as somebody else? He's tired of trying to make ends meet because somehow, you know, you have to strive to do that. Because they they come from California to where we live. They sell their houses and they come and buy a little piece of land, maybe five acres, ten acres. Grow some apple trees, maybe. We have some live animals, some deer. And, 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 and have a little nest egg, which then they don't have to worry again for the rest of their lives. That's the Adam in us. Amen. That's fine. We do that. But that's not what we obsess on. We obsess on the kingdom of God and Jesus. Amen.